The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson with you on a Wednesday. Updating you on what's going on in sports. Recapping what happened with the Utah State Aggies. Previewing what could happen tonight with the Utah Jazz taking on the San Antonio Spurs. The game is in San Antonio. We'll have pregame coverage here on the fans starting at 6.20. Tip-off will be at 6.30. Um, and so it's kind of a different time for a game to be started, but hey, we roll with it. We still play it. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Utah Jazz let a game get away from them on Monday against an uh, under- staffed Houston Rockets team and the Jazz were just out coached and outplayed from the tip and to see if uh, tonight will be any different uh, is they are really getting into the meat of a really tough schedule over the next month so we'll see how they respond um, also uh, we heard a little bit there at the top of the hour the uh, Los Angeles Lakers make uh, organization making their first public comments today since the passing, tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. Here's some uh, comments from Frank Vogel uh, as they prepare for their first game uh, since his, uh, that tragedy. So that's coming up uh, later this week, so stay tuned for that. But uh, first of all, Utah State with a, uh, with a nice win in the end. Uh, a nice, it was a nice win over Wyoming, 68-45, to a solid victory. Uh, Utah State really pulled away in the second half, but that first half wasn't really great. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, really, a, a season low for points and a half. Utah State only had twenty five scored twenty five points in the first half, and uh, Wyoming wasn't that far behind. They were eighteen points. Utah State had one of their lulls that they're prone to have, um, and uh, they went. Uh, you know, about three, four minutes without scoring in the first half. Uh, there were a lot of turnovers by the Aggies early on. And so it was a really sloppy game. Not very many people there. Uh, somebody came up to me today and said, watching that first half felt like he was watching a girls, a high school girls basketball game. And no offense to girls basketball, but those are they're prone to have a um, few more turnovers than uh, the boys do, and not as well as attended as the the, the boys' games are. So it, it just it wasn't. It was a rough game to watch for that first half for the Utah State Aggies. It wasn't. I don't think it was because of anything Wyoming was doing particularly well. It just was a little bit sloppy for Utah State. Uh, Namiash Keta had four turnovers himself uh, on the game, but uh, things at halftime settled down. And then Utah State went on a tear, scoring 43 second-half points. And uh, really, I I thought a couple of things really stood out to me from that game last night. And if you want to weigh in on things that you saw from that game last night, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your reactions to the game. Text in at our text line, 435-339-0321. Again, that's 435-339-0321. And uh, let me know what you thought about that game last night for for USU. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is that uh, there wasn't one particular player that just like dominated 
for Utah State. There were multiple contributors uh, by the Aggies. Uh, Sam Merrill did Sam Merrill things, though most of that came in the second half. Uh, he was held in check. I don't know if that's the right term. Again, I don't think it's something that Wyoming was necessarily doing that was making life difficult for the Aggies. But Sam Merrill really got it going more in the second half, getting to the line uh, and uh, getting to the to the to the basket, uh, driving to the hole, forcing uh, the issue a little bit for Wyoming, forcing them into difficult decisions. And uh, more often than not, Sam Merrill won those contests. But uh, I-, I thought it was a solid performance by Sam again. I thought it was a great game by Alfonso Anderson coming off the bench. Um, he had some great plays, hit a three-point shot late to beat the buzzer. Uh, that uh, bench erupted when he did that. Um, I thought that he had some good footwork down low. Ajay and I have been talking about his footwork lately and how we're impressed by his development and how he's improving. But I really liked his play in that second half. Uh, you know, Brock Miller has been much maligned lately for some of his shooting struggles. And uh, he really got it going in the second half and um, had those three straight three-point shots that were falling and uh, really opened things up for USU early in the second half. So great to see him starting to make uh, some good shots. So he was in double figures. Sam was in double figures. Alfonso was in double figures. Uh, So that was great. It was kind of a spread across a lot of different areas. Um, I, I really liked... Also, the the play of Sean Barstow, I thought that he had uh, played in a way that he was getting more minutes and needed to have more minutes, but then playing a little bit reckless at times when he was on the court. And I think that he was a little more settled down in the way he was playing last night against Wyoming. Um, he scored seven points coming off the bench. He uh, also had a you know three rebounds and three assists. So doing a lot of different things to help his team. Uh, overall, it was a much better performance by the bench. Diogo Brito, uh, four assists, two steals, two rebounds, nine points. So, uh, again, he does so many different things for Utah State off the bench, especially when he he is dialed in and plays well. He's a great presence coming off the bench because he can play and guard multiple positions, which makes him a real weapon for the Aggies. Certainly one of the things we were watching was the, the, the matchup between Sam Merrill and uh, Jake Hendricks. They didn't always guard each other. In fact, they rarely did. But we were keeping a close eye to see on you know how well would he do. Certainly here's the, the hometown guy going up against his hometown team, whom he doesn't play for. Uh, but he struggled. Um, he couldn't make his shots. He He's a high-volume three-point shooter. The only attempts that he made all game were three-point attempts. He missed all of them. Um, but he, he tried to help out in a few other ways, a couple of assists, a couple of steals. But um, I honestly, I felt a little bad for him that he couldn't uh, get those shots to fall because I knew that was an important game for him to play well in that type of a, a situation. But um, you know, the Maldonado, Hunter Maldonado played pretty well for Wyoming. Uh, Marble off the bench played well. Uh, a bit of a you know, some extracurricular activities at the end of the game, which uh, was a little surprising. Uh, uh, Anderson gets ejected from the game. 
Uh, Wyoming had a player ejected from the game as well after he just came in for a short time. There was a loose ball, and uh, guys were trying to you know, get it and get after it. Uh, Anderson with a little shove. He gets pushed back. Uh, Roche <laughs> goes to their defense. He gets a little animated. But um, anyway, some offsetting technicals. Guys get uh, dismissed from the court with 12, 14 seconds to go. Meaningless. But um, still, I, I don't mind the, 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 the fight there, though, from Utah State and Alfonso and, and Roche. That, look, we're, we're going to fight till the end of the buzzer. We're going to still compete. And we're still going to get in there and scrap. So uh, I was impressed by that. Uh, Wyoming, that, that's a that's a young team, an inexperienced team. That frankly, I don't think they're great. They don't have great coaching. I don't think. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what that team looks like maybe next year with the more of these younger players getting more experience. If they'll be more competitive, but as of right now, ugh, man, it's. It wasn't very pretty uh, by what we saw from Wyoming. Um, another comment uh, that's just coming in, appreciate the texts, uh, 9938. And this is a good point. I'm glad you bring this up. Uh, 9938 shared this text. It says, can we just say for USU, Abel Porter is playing much worse this year compared to last year. Um, interesting. I, I think that Abel Porter, at the midpoint of the season a year ago, he was not the starter. He was coming off the bench, but he was working hard and basically displaced what was going on and became the starter, and everything really took off after that. I thought he was a real stable force and helped the team go forward and compete and be a really good manager of what was going on on the court offensively for USU. I think that he is not at that same level to, uh, right now with Utah State, and I don't think he's been at that same level for the last little while. I think as a team, they're much better now than they were two, three weeks ago. I think they've made a lot of improvements. I think they've settled in a little bit better now that they're healthier, now that Keta has been back in the mix for a little while. But I would agree that Abel Porter is not as much of a threat on the court as perhaps he used to be. Not that he was a big scoring threat or a defensive menace, uh, perhaps you could say, for what he was doing for the Aggies on the other side of the court. But he was a steadying force, and there he he doesn't seem to be quite to that same level this year. So I don't know if there's an injury, if he's had a little bit of a setback, or because of other roles, uh, the way other people are playing. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I agree that it is noticeable that Abel Porter isn't quite at that same level right now for USU. And I think for them to have a real shot Saturday at San Diego State, they need all hands on deck playing at their best. Uh, I think for the most part, the rest of the team is in a good space right now to be competitive and, and do well in San Diego. Um, but I agree. Abel Porter is, uh, is he's, there's been a little bit of a drop-off uh, this year. So uh, 9938, I, I agree. There's been something that is a little bit different and not quite the same from Abel Porter. Uh, again, you can text in and let me know what your thoughts were of the game last night, 435-339-0321. Abel Porter uh, did not score for Utah State. He had one assist and two rebounds in 23 minutes of play. Um, so, I mean, the uh, the assists for the team were, I mean, they did have more than Wyoming, but um, 
didn't seem like it was they were sharing the ball quite as much, uh, slinging it around. There's a little more one-on-one type stuff. Uh, but again, they didn't have to sling the ball around a lot to beat Wyoming to what they needed to do. Uh, but they did uh, out-rebound Wyoming significantly, 41-23, to 23, uh, 13 assists to 11 turnovers. Um, certainly like that assist-to-turnover ratio to be a little bit better. Uh, fewer turnovers, a little more assists. But um, but yeah, the sharing the ball for Utah State uh, could be a little bit better. And uh, Abel Porter certainly is a big part of that and uh, what he could do to help uh, his team. Uh, but you look at what he's been doing over the last little bit, the last couple of games, uh, he did have uh, some good games against Boise and, and Nevada where he was sharing the ball quite a bit and uh, scoring in double figures. But since then, uh, did not score against Air Force, really didn't even play in the second half. Uh, didn't only scored four points against Colorado State. I did have five assists in that game, but he didn't score last night against Wyoming. So uh, this is the last couple of games, last three games. Uh, his role has been limited in how he helps out the team. So uh, that will be a key position, I think, to watch for the next, not only San Diego State, but the next couple of games for USU and how that changes if not. Uh, if that uh, if the, the more of that uh, facilitator comes from Sam Merrill, as he continues to act more as a facilitator to get guys going and sharing the ball, or if we're going to see more Bearstow or Brito as the de facto point guards that uh, play a little bit more minutes than than Abel Porter does, but uh, very light uh, games, not very many games, a light night in the Mountain West, not very many games there were uh, besides the Aggies. Uh, there were some other games in the Mountain West. Fresno State played uh, as well, and uh, the uh, <laughs> now all of a sudden my screen locked up. That's always fun, uh, but no, it was uh, only two games that were in action. It was Fresno State and Air Force, and Fresno State won their game. Uh, that game was at Air Force, but the Bulldogs won seventy nine to sixty eight. So as a result, both Air or Fresno State and Utah State moved up in the latest NCAA net rankings. And uh, this is always important to see where they're at. You want to be trying to get the Utah State into that top 50. It always seems to be kind of the magic number for uh, getting consideration for at-large opportunities when the NCAA tournament comes around. But Utah State has moved up now to 57 in the net rankings. Uh, Fresno State, with maybe a little bit more of a significant jump than USU had, they jumped from uh, uh, 179 to 161. So not great, but uh, some movement there. Not a lot of games that were played last night uh, throughout college basketball. It's a busier night tonight in the Mountain West because you've got uh, San Diego State at New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico's had some real problems lately. Players dismissed. They had that uh, house party over the weekend that was very controversial. Somebody got shot, and there were players that were there. Uh, so that's an interesting game going on tonight. That's on CBS Sports Network if you want to tune into that one at 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, Nevada is at Colorado State, and San Jose is at Boise. Uh, Boise's favored by 16.5 in that one. Colorado State, interestingly enough, they're favored by 4 in their game hosting Nevada. And then San Diego State, they're favored by 11.5. So uh, I thought that earlier in the year, 
if anybody, some of the games that, or some of the teams in the Mountain West that might have some chances at knocking off the Aztecs, UNLV, the way they were playing leading up to the game that they had last weekend, uh, New Mexico, and Utah State were really maybe Nevada, but um, San Diego State took care of UNLV. It was a close game. It was a competitive game. Aztecs only won by like four points. But uh, New Mexico has really uh, dropped off um, from where they were earlier in the year because of some of the reasons that uh, that, have, that we've noted. Their uh, NCAA net ranking right now is 119. Uh, they were in the 80s and uh, mid-70s at, at certain points of the season, but uh, they've dropped off quite a bit since uh, they've had some trouble with their roster and some trouble on that campus. So, uh, Anyway, that's uh, what's going on tonight throughout the Mountain West Conference. Uh, if, if there's anybody that could maybe pull a, a surprise and beat San Diego State, it perhaps could be New Mexico. One of the last few chances for this, the Aztecs to uh, mess up uh, on the road against a semi-quality opponent because the only other road game that they have that might be tricky is uh, is Nevada at the end of the year. Now, they do travel to Boise on February 16th, but they close out the season, the regular season, at Nevada on February 29th. Other than that, most of the rest of their games are at home. So a very favorable schedule uh, for them to finish out the season. They go do travel to Air Force, but we can overlook that one probably. All right, uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, we'll look at the NCAA uh, brackets. The tournament's coming up in March, and one of the uh, the teams Utah State have played, where are they being talked about in these brackets, making it to the NCAA tournament? Uh, if you missed it, we did mention Jerry Palm has Utah State as an 11 seed in his bracketology. But uh, what about some of the teams that Utah State has faced being considered to go into the NCAA tournament? And uh, we'll also look at the Utah Jazz. They're in action tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, what are they going to have to do differently tonight to get a win on the road? It's always tough to play on the road against good competition. So we'll look at that game uh, coming up uh, later on as well as we'll have pregame coverage starting at, at uh, 6.20 and the tip-off at 6.30 here on The Fan. So all that's coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson with you on a Wednesday here on the Full Court Press. Appreciate you tuning in. Feel free to text in a question or a comment. Like, what do you think about that Utah State game last night? 435-339-0321. If you want to weigh in what you saw, what you your opinions are about the Utah State Aggies. Utah Jazz are also getting ready for the San Antonio Spurs tonight. You want to weigh in on the Jazz. What do they need to do to get themselves dialed in a little bit better? They just seemed off on Monday and let a bunch of scrubs dictate what was going on. That was embarrassing. So, anyway, we'll, we'll get into the Utah Jazz here in just a moment. But um, the uh, NCAA tournament, men's basketball tournament, still is um, a little bit of ways away. But um, we're as we get closer and closer, more people try to predict what the – 
the that those brackets might look like. Uh, Jerry Palm does it for CBS. Joe Lunardi does it for ESPN. Andy Katz, he puts his own predictions together. Um, and he contributes for the uh, NCAA.com. But um, Utah State, I've only seen them one place really right now between those three, the more notable ones that seem to be respectable, is uh, Jerry Palm. He has Utah State as an 11 seed right now in his predicted NCAA tournament. And uh, Utah State as an 11 seed would face number six, Auburn. And he would have them playing in Greensboro. So clear on the other side of the country, certainly that favors Auburn. A lot closer for them than it is for Utah State. But if the Aggies were to win, then they would face Maryland, or the winner between Maryland and William and Mary. But um, again, Utah State's only really popping up in one place. Most publications have the Mountain West as a one-bid league. Uh, it's pretty unanimous that uh, they have San Diego State as a number one seed, um, and uh, in deservedly so, undefeated top five team, uh, they deserve to be in that discussion as a top seed. Uh, but some of the other teams that are notable that Utah State has faced, uh, or that we pay attention to, um, you know, Utah State has played some teams. Uh, that uh, look like they're going to be going to the NCAA tournament and uh, some teams that they've already had on their schedule, like LSU is a number six seed, according to Andy Katz. And uh, Jerry Palm also has LSU in his rankings, but only as a seven seed. LSU is playing a lot better right now in the SEC than when Utah State played them earlier in the year. They were still trying to figure a few things out. They've been a lot more competitive. Uh, St. Mary's as a number 10 seed uh, by Andy Katz. Uh, but uh, Jerry Palm, he's got uh, uh, St. Mary's as uh, uh, similarly as a uh, number 10 seed in his rankings. Uh, BYU as a, as a 10 seed uh, by both uh, publications. Um, and then looking at Florida, uh, Andy Katz has Florida as a number nine seed, and Florida that's a good win. That's a very quality win for Utah State, as is the uh, LSU game. But uh, uh, Jerry Palm has Florida as an eleven seed, so maybe not quite the same level of respect that uh, Jerry Palm has for the Gators. And those are the, the teams that Utah State has faced that are likely to appear in the NCAA tournament. Looking at the bracketology, obviously a lot's going to change between now and the end of February and even into conference tournaments. But uh, for Utah State to be uh, considered, and they're not even showing up as a last four in or last four out or anything like that yet on ESPN or uh, for Andy Katz. But Utah State, I, I don't know that they have to win on Saturday, but it certainly goes a long way if they do. But I think they have to win the rest of their games. Uh, they they can't afford to lose really any other games uh, that with teams that are quote unquote below them in the net rankings. So uh, Utah State has to continue to play well. They're on a little bit of a run here. Uh, they've won a couple of games in a row, which looks great. Um, but uh, we know what happened earlier this month where things got derailed. I think they watching their last couple of games, they look a little more dialed in. 
especially later in the game. They're they're finishing their last uh, two games much better, um, and uh, that's got to be a, uh, certainly a big focus from Craig Smith, as he has clearly mentioned multiple times. Uh, but the uh, the Utah State's ability to close things out for the rest of the season is going to be very important if they get that at-large opportunity, uh, regardless of what San Diego State does in the regular season or the uh, the uh, Mountain West Conference Tournament. So, um, I don't know. What do you think? Does Utah State have a resume strong enough to make it as an at-large team, or do you think they still have that opportunity in front of them, or too little too late if they continue to pick up some wins? Uh, let me know. 435-339-0321 to uh, text in let me know if you think Utah State still has a chance of making it as an at-large team to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Because when you look at it, Utah State does have a couple of top 50 wins. Uh, Win over Florida, who's currently ranked 43rd in the net rankings. Have a win over LSU, who's currently 23 in the net rankings. A loss on a neutral court to BYU, who's ranked 29th. And a loss at St. Mary's, which is ranked 34th. Um, so those are big, notable games that Utah State has played, but certainly what drags them down are some of their losses, like a loss to uh, Boise State, which is 104 right now. This isn't necessarily horrible, but what is horrible is a loss to UNLV, who's ranked 131, and a loss to Air Force, who is currently dropped down to 197. So they'll, uh, when these uh, committees get together, they'll look at what's your best win, what's your worst loss. Utah State has a couple of good wins. They also have a couple of bad losses. So to ensure that uh, they don't dive any much deeper than that, they've got to pick up a lot more wins here and convince a committee that, look, this is a different team now in or throughout the end of January, uh, month of February, and even at the, uh, the conference tournament than what they looked like at the start of the year. Um, so still a lot of work to be done for the Utah State Aggies, but you had to do it uh, with the, uh, getting a nice win on the road against Wyoming. You have to win by healthy margin when you're at home against lower-level teams like Colorado State. Um, but uh, right now, Utah State, at uh, 57 in the NCAA net rankings, 15 and six overall. Uh, just their second true road win on the year. They picked up last night. They're at two and four, uh, four and one in neutral sites, nine and one when they're at home and uh, undefeated against non-division one teams. So uh, that's what's going on. Your update on the NCAA net rankings and where Utah State stands and where some of their competition looks like they could be going to the uh, NCAA tournament when that uh, comes out here in just a couple of months, but uh, it's worth noting and worth following just to see where Utah State's at. Obviously, it doesn't matter until that uh, first weekend of March, but still, we'll see where Utah State's at and how they're being perceived by some of these other notable publications. All right, going to take a timeout here on the Full Court Press when we come back. Utah Jazz, they're on the road tonight. So they're at San Antonio taking on the Spurs. What do we know about this, this Spurs team? Where are they at in the season right now? Jazz struggled on Monday against a unique lineup. Will Greg Popovich try something similar to get the Utah Jazz off kilter and off base a little bit? We'll see what adjustments the Jazz make as well when they take on the Spurs. We'll have pregame coverage here on the fan starting at 620, tip-off at 630. 
full play-by-play for the uh, by the Utah Jazz Radio Network. There's no high school basketball games for the Skyview Bobcats tonight. In fact, most everybody has the night off, except for the Mountain Crest Mustangs. They're playing Preston tonight. So that game will be on our sister station, 107.7, just a further, little bit further up on the FM dial from where we are. But uh, everybody else in high school boys basketball in Region 11, they have the night off. Anyways, look at the Utah Jazz coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson with you here on a Wednesday, Full Court Press rolling on, 106.9 FM. 1390 AM, streaming online, 1069thefan.com. If you want to weigh in, love to hear from you. Feel free to text in 435-339-0321. Comment uh, just came in based on our last uh, conversation there going into the break from 9315. says, I think if we win out, we will for sure. Maybe we can lose one more. I think we can win the Mountain West Tournament. Interesting thought. I think this team is certainly playing a lot more confident in uh, the last two games. Uh, they seem sharper. They're getting more production off their bench. Uh, having a healthy Keta back who's in the flow of everything else that's going on makes a huge difference for Utah State. And we're going to learn a lot about this team on Saturday, where they're really at. But I think you're right that this team has the potential to be just as dangerous as San Diego State in a three-game tournament. Um, I, I think that I'm of the opinion that Utah State, I, I think my personally, I think they'll probably lose on Saturday. If I was to give you a prediction, I'm feeling better about how well Utah State could compete because they, they played San Diego State pretty tough in Logan. But um, and I think they're a better team now than they were then. But I think that uh, if I give you to my prediction, I would think that Utah State will be tough, but just won't come out with the victory. But I think they they should be able to win the rest of their games, and I think they'll play well in the tournament. I think that Utah State has to play well in the tournament, and I don't think they have to win the Mountain West Conference tournament, but I do think they have to be in the championship to be considered an at-large team. But even then, that would be, oof, how many losses for the Aggies? If they, if you consider they lose uh, this weekend and then they were to lose in the championship game, they'd have eight losses. Which I guess that's not bad. It's not horrible. They'd, had, they'd have over 20 wins. They'd probably have closer to 22 wins. Um, so it's not bad, but, uh, it's a valid point. And I, I agree as a uh, 9315 points out, they are a better team right now. And, uh, I like the confidence, uh, but I think that, uh, if anybody's going to give San Diego state a scare through the rest of the year, it's either going to happen tonight at New Mexico or Saturday at home against the Utah state Aggies. Uh, I don't really see too many other challenges on their schedule. 
to uh, and certainly they're not. It's not going to cause them to lose the Mountain West regular season, but it will open the door for somebody else to potentially be considered as an at-large team for the NCAA selection committee. All right, Utah Jazz are in action tonight, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, Jazz with a rough game on Monday, frustrating loss, let Houston get to the free throw line way too many times. And that was an anomaly. And I think we have to remember that, that it was a real anomaly. No team in the last four years has had that many free throw attempts against the Jazz as what Houston had on Monday. So definitely it was abnormal what the Rockets were able to do. But the San Antonio Spurs themselves kind of struggling right now. They've lost a couple of games in a row. Uh, In fact, they've lost three in a row coming into this game. Losses at home against Phoenix, uh, which was a close game. They only lost by four. A close loss by four at home against Toronto. And then a a one-point loss on the road at Chicago. So three straight losses for San Antonio, but by a combined... Nine points. So they've been very close in their games. And, of course, Utah Jazz lost their game on Monday by nine points. Uh, Adam, the intern, popping on and joining me. You, did you watch that Monday game for the Utah Jazz against the Rockets? No, but I listened to it on the radio, and it sounded like it was not pretty, especially that second-slash-third quarter where we just kind of lost all or everything that we had going for us. So frustrating. Uh, it and so many points were scored in the fourth quarter. It was nuts. Every time the, the, the Jazz offensively started to get things rolling, but they could not stop Houston with their three-point shooting and then trips to the free-throw line. It was such a frustrating game. Is Does that concern you for what's ahead now as the Jazz get into this long stretch of really, really good teams on the schedule? I'd be lying if I said it didn't because – they were down their three best players, right? They're yeah. they're down what Harden, Westbrook. I mean, those that's easy like forty points you're gonna lose. So uh, I'm a little concerned because you would think, oh, they're down, they're down two of their best players. We can this should be an easy win, and we can go into San Antonio red hot, right? But instead, you blow the win, and you're now you're scratching your head, thinking, well, did Houston figure out something that the rest of the league hasn't figured out about the Jazz, and now everyone else is gonna do it? Eh. It's a little frustrating. Well, I think you bring up a good point. That will be interesting from now on to see. Do teams try to negate Rudy Gobert and how effective he is by playing smaller lineups, guys that can shoot, and force him out of the paint to be a perimeter defender? Yeah, that's something that I saw just on some highlights just today when I was watching. Um, that's what that's what the Rockets did. They made him go out and guard the three. And I don't oh. It's super frustrating because you know Rudy Gobert is such a great defender in the paint, but once you get him outside, that's where he becomes a little bit more human. So I don't know if every team can do that. I think that the Rockets, with just the way their team is set up right now, I think that they were in a great position to do that. I don't think San Antonio has that ability, but I think a couple other teams, especially in the Western Conference, have that ability to do that, to draw Rudy Gobert out from the paint where he's most comfortable where he's most effective, and have him put in a situation where he's not going to do so well. He gets spun around, and most of the time that leads to a good block. We've seen the past yeah. couple of games. If you spin Rudy if you spin Rudy around, watch out for that block because he's right on your tail. But 
again, you just hate because to you see think it. you got past them doesn't mean you got past exactly, them. Exactly, exactly. So, oh, I don't know. It's interesting to see. I, I think that obviously it's an eighty-two game season, so you're going to figure things out about teams, especially defense, because that's what the league is driven by is offense. And so I wouldn't be too worried. I think Quinn Snyder's a good enough coach that he'll figure he'll figure out a way to keep Rudy in the paint. Maybe that means just Royce and Joe Ingles have to be more hard line around the perimeter or something like that. But I think I think Quinn will figure it out. I the there's some question about whether or not Lamarcus Aldridge will play. He's been listed as day to day. I'm trying to see if there's an updated injury report on him. Um but I think that makes a big difference if he's in the game or not because of his ability to uh, be a little more mobile. Um, I, I think that he has that ability to um, pull Rudy out a little bit. Um, so let's see here. Just within the last 12 minutes. Okay, here we go. Here's an update. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge will miss tonight's game. He's had a thumb injury, so he will not play. Um, so... Um, We'll see who who replaces him, but uh, it, and how that affects what San Antonio tries to do. And San Antonio has shooters. I mean, they have they they like to put big guys out there that can shoot the ball, and uh, that will be really one of those interesting coaching matchups tonight. The off the floor matchups um, to see how Popovich tries to learn from what Mike D'Antoni was able to do against the Jazz on Monday. If he tries to exploit that the same way, if they go smaller, if they try to use uh, speed and shooting to negate what the Jazz do defensively. Uh, now, San Antonio, they'll give up points. They're not as stout defensively as we've known them to be in the past. They are giving up on average about 114 points per, per game. Utah, by, by, uh, by contrast, is only giving up about 106. So if Utah Jazz can get going offensively, then uh, certainly looks like San Antonio will will probably give them opportunities to score. Uh, but for me, I think in the game tonight, a player that needs to, or players notably that need to stand out for me for this game to, to really go Utah's way is uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and how well can he stretch the floor and force defenders to stay out on him as a as a three point shooter, but how well does he do defensively as well? And uh, and then I think just the bench in general, um, is, whether that be Jordan Clarkson, who's from the area, or uh, George Nyang, uh, somebody that can come off the bench and be a, a little bit of a difference maker against the second unit. So, um, and, and I'm also interested to see if Mike Conley still is coming off the bench for the Jazz, or if they insert him into the starting lineup. And if so, when does that happen? Yeah, that's one of my biggest questions is when does Royce O'Neal get back to that starting position, like you said, because obviously he's talented enough to be there. Um, it's just a matter of when, and I guess when does the coaching staff and um, I guess just the entire staff at the Jazz organization feel like he's ready for that. I, I'm okay with him now being coming off the bench, obviously coming off an injury. You don't want to play him too much. But then also, he's so, uh, it's really frustrating because you know he's good. We saw the true Mike Conley at Memphis, and you're just wondering how come it's not happening in Utah. And, oh, man, I really I really hope he figures it out because he's a stud, and I think he will. I think once you're getting closer to the playoffs and things like that, I think that's when he, 
that's when he gets locked down. He gets in the zone. So just- yeah, and I think the Jazz are just trying to be cautious with his injury right now. That that they want those hamstring injuries can be reaggravated easily. Right. And you don't want another setback. They want to make sure he is able to go in April and May and hopefully into June. Um, but uh, you don't want to reaggravate it before he's fully healed. So that may be part of it. He was making some moves on Monday though that. He looks like he's healed. He's good to go, but you have to be a little bit careful with that still. Uh-huh. But, you know, this is a San Antonio team that has a solid point guard who can create off the dribble and, and penetrate as well as Patty Mills. Uh, you've got uh, DeMar DeRozan, who's playing very well for San Antonio. Um, let's not forget Trey Lyles. He's bounced around the league a little bit, but now he's in San Antonio, former jazz man. Um, and then Jakob Pertl, he was a former University of Utah uh, player who's uh, he played pretty well in their last game, 16 points, 13 rebounds. So uh, it, you'll probably see a lot more of him in the absence of uh, LaMarcus Aldridge tonight. So uh, this is both teams coming into the game with uh, kind of a sour taste in their mouth. So who has the biggest chip on their shoulder going into this one? And who makes the, the bigger adjustments, the more important adjustments, after games that they should have won but still lost. Right. I think Utah does coming into this game because San Antonio has kind of been up and down all season long. But the Jazz, especially like the last, what, 20 games or something like that, they've been on fire. And everyone's been saying, man, this is one of the best teams in the league. Don't sleep on them, things like that. And so then losing to Houston, especially the way they did, I would be, especially as me as me as a player, I'd be pretty ticked off as as a spur, I don't know if I would be. They've lost three in a row, and yeah, that always sucks. But then they've had a couple l- bigger losing streaks, I guess. And so maybe they're not quite hitting the panic button just yet in San Antonio. So I think Utah comes in with a bigger chip on the shoulder. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a team that's been playing a lot better basketball lately. I think they are a deeper team. I think they're a more talented team. I think the Jazz make the proper adjustments to get back on track. They know what... the what happened, uh, and they've had some time to address that. They're not going to. They shouldn't. From what we know about the team lately, is I don't. I don't think it's likely that they would let that happen again in a back-to-back game. I mean, you would hope, right? Yeah, you would hope. You'd hope, but you never know. So, um, uh, again, this is um, a chance for Utah to get up some some quality wins against quality opponents. Uh, and prove to themselves they can win on the road against good teams. Because it's been a nice little run here lately, but they're dominating teams they should be dominating. So uh, I think there's been a suspicion throughout the league that, yeah, it's nice where the Jazz are, looks great where they are, where they are in the standings, but who did you really play during that stretch? San Antonio, as of right now, is just on the outside looking in. They're in the number nine position in the Western Conference, Two and a half games behind the Grizzlies. Jazz currently in the number three spot, half a game behind the Clippers, half a game ahead of Denver. So it's a really important stretch for the Jazz, and it starts tonight. 6.20 pregame here on the fan, 6.30 tip-off. We'll have full play-by-play coverage because there's no high school games tonight, so at least not for Skyview Bobcats. So we'll have the full play-by-play of the Utah Jazz at San Antonio coming up in less than an hour. Uh, Some additional thoughts about the Utah Jazz and the NBA coming up next here on the Full Court Press. 
It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. I want to start by, uh, you know, uh, personally and on behalf of the Lakers family, uh, offering condolences to um, offering condolences to Vanessa Bryant and the entire Bryant family on the loss of Kobe and Gianna. And we are all deeply, deeply saddened by this unthinkable tragedy. And um, our thoughts and prayers are with you. I also want to offer condolences uh, to the, the families of the, the other victims that were lost in this tragedy. Our thoughts and prayers are with you as well. That's Frank Vogel, the first public comments from anybody within the Lakers organization since the tragedy over the weekend of uh, the, the terrible helicopter crash claimed the lives of nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Um, the NBA tributes continue this week as, for some teams, it's their first home games since the tragedy last Sunday. I'm sure we'll probably see something again tonight in San Antonio. Uh, moments of silence, 24-second uh, so- shot clock violation, an eight-second midcourt violation to start the game. Those have been pretty common throughout the league. Uh, players um, changing their jersey numbers, want to do some kind of tribute in that way. Uh, be interesting to see if we see any of that tonight from the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I don't know if, if you had a chance. Some of it was going on while we were on the air yesterday, but uh, I don't know if you had a chance uh, last night to go back and see any of the, the clips of some of the things that were going on on TNT last night. It was spectacular. The tributes that they did and the conversations that they had with former players and others who were very close to Kobe Bryant and his family. It was, it was excellent uh, television. Great job by TNT and their crew. Um, but uh, it, it's the, the NBA continues, and uh, games continue to be played. And uh, many people are saying this is what Kobe would want. They'd want the game to, to continue. Um, and it does. It continues to roll on. And uh, the games, quite a few games going on tonight, to mention the Utah Jazz are at San Antonio. Um, and uh, they will have that game here. Another game to be paying attention to is on ESPN this evening. The Rockets are at the Trailblazers. Uh, see if the Rockets have a similar performance against Portland as they had against the Jazz or not. But um, the other thing to keep an eye on is NBA trade deadline. It's not that far away. It's actually it's next week. February 6th is the NBA trade deadline. Um, the other thing, the other date to keep an eye on is the All Star reserves will be announced here very soon. So a couple of big things with the NBA will be coming up here shortly. The uh, trade deadline is on February sixth. Will there be any significant trades or not? Uh, I think the Jazz have pretty much made the trades that they're going to make. If anything, maybe you move Ed Davis for somebody else. I don't know, um, but that doesn't seem to be really working out for the Jazz. But uh, are there any other contenders out there that try to make some moves so they can uh, bolster up their roster to be in the hunt? Does Houston uh, try to make some moves? Because they're certainly below where they normally like to be. Uh, Does Chris Paul get moved? Does he end up on a title contender, uh, even though he's having a nice season in Oklahoma City, proving that he can still play and still help a team play very good basketball? So very interesting things to watch and and keep an eye on over the next week, uh, week and a half, in the NBA. 
Anyways, that's going to do it for us tonight here on the Full Court Press. Don't forget, we got the Mountain Crest Mustangs taking on the Preston Indians on 107.7 FM, our sister station. It's the only high school basketball game on our uh, network of stations tonight. And then we'll have the Utah Jazz pregame coverage starting at 620, tip-off at 630.